The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. the Brandon Peters Show for our final entry into the inaugural World Film Project series on the show. Today we'll be discussing 2014's A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And with me as always for this is Sharari Drury of Hollywood Reporter, previously from E! News and Culture Us, making her fifth appearance on the show. Five Five Stayin' Alive. Hello, Sharari. Fifth appearance? That's insane. Five. What am I doing? That's the one that's the Everybody else down here. I'm a queen of this game. I mean, I am like, what am I like? Goddess, dark, dark goddess, goddess of the underworld. Underworld. So obviously, I gotta represent for my underworld right. homies. Which if people, right. if people want to know, like early on, I was like, what do you like? You know, I, was, I always go over with people their introduction. Like, is that okay? Like, call it. Is there anything you want? And you said, well, as long as you had dark goddess of the underworld on there, and I have called you that ever since. It was a request. I mean, it is a request. Um, it's a humble request, but I'm glad that we have partaken in it each it time. Was, it's it is my title, so like we gotta like respect there we it. Go. So. It was your it was your specific colors of M M&M and M requests. So that's exactly one hundred percent. So how have you felt now after these three films we've gone through? Good, like I mean, I feel good. I mean, I feel like in general, what makes me happy about this is even if like a few people listen, it's the whole point of this, I feel like is to expand horizons for Mm -hmm. people's cinematic viewing and get them to try new things. I also am trying new things in real time doing it. Right. So like, I'm, I, I think like girl with the red scarf, that was super intense, passionate, dramatic, romantic, flip to remote control the absolute wacky i honestly think remote control from iceland wackiest film i've ever seen in my life i don't know what i could like i think we were talking about i would compare it to like a super bad but like right. even crazier yeah very so crazy i i just really enjoyed that film and to bring in this one that we're going to talk about today i'm very excited because it's one of my favorite movies ever yes yes um also i want to point out if there is a country or a film that fits the world film project parameters that we set up which are you're gonna find out are a little looser than said before (laughs) in a sec um let us know and more importantly know where we can find it and have access because a lot of these films i i took forever uh, getting this off the ground because Sharara and I talked about it back in like February. Um, and like part of what took so long to do that was um, looking up ones, trying to make it work well, and then trying to find out how to watch it. And mm-hmm. I believe. And if there are subtitles that work. <laughs> if there, yeah, also if there's subtitles that work. Things. Um, and I believe The Girl with the Red Scarf almost didn't find it like i was moving on to something else and then i don't know what a different 
place I was reading about films from uh, Turkey mm-hmm. had a link, and it went to. I don't know how I would have looked this up on the tube of views and found it, but I, it was there. So, um, and plus there's a bunch of remake stuff for it. So it was hard to find. So yeah, let us know and let us know where we can find it. Um, we always prefer to watch things legally here on the Brandon Peters show, but I always put an insistence on if access is not available or not being provided from a distributor or something then I have no problem with watching a stream that doesn't have rights. Like a lot of movies that are on VHS never come to DVD. That VHS I'm not spending hundreds of dollars on eBay for if Mm. someone has put it somewhere because access isn't being allowed by people who could give access for me to pay a decent amount. Right. (laughs) That's where I draw my line a bit. That's where I would draw my line a bit. So today, girl walks home alone at night. Directed by Anna Lily Armapour. Uh, this is her feature film directorial debut for a feature film. She's done some shorts. Starring Sheila Vand, uh, Arash Marandi, Marshall Manesh, Motan Marno, Dominic Reigns, and Rome Shadanlu. 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 I'll help you with the Persian names. It's did all I good. do the rest of them okay? I think you did, honestly. Especially, so the guy who plays Arash in the movie, mm-hmm. Arash Marandi, like, I have a cousin named that. And biggest thing he got as a kid growing up in the States was, because it looks like a rash. Mm-hmm. Mm. Got totally... I didn't even think of that. Okay. No, but that's good. That's good you did not. Kids growing up did so i'm always like that can always be like one of the tough ones and it's a very common um iranian name but no you said the names got it gotcha. you know we've, been, we've had a lot of complicated names on the show that are because like we're both i mean i'm i'm iranian but i was born in the u.s so like i'm gonna have my own like 
hindrances, I guess, with saying some mm-hmm. names from different countries. So it's difficult. So I, I empathize and I have a tough name to say myself. So I get it. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, the film is about an, uh, in the Iranian ghost town, bad city, a place that reeks of death and loneliness. The townspeople are unaware that they're being stalked by a vampire. Now, I mentioned earlier, we're cheating a bit here with the rules. So a girl walks home alone at night, was shot in Taft, California by the UK-born director of Iranian descent, but she's never lived there. It's an all-Iranian cast, uh, dialogue entirely in Farsi, strongly Persian, meant to be there and sold as the first Iranian vampire Western. So here's here's my shtick. This, to me, is no different than something like one of my favorite horror films is Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. It's an Italian horror film. You wouldn't put it to any other country. Ditto on City of the Living Dead, the one that precedes it. Shot in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Star Wars was shot in Tunisia, and the studio work done in the United Kingdom. But you would say that is a film from the United States, correct? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> the benefit of A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night being shot in the United States, it allows some more honest things to be present that wouldn't be allowed to fly in the country. Um, oh, my gosh, it's very... <laughs> There's very a, accurate. <laughs> there's an out and out uh, gay kind of trans character ish. We don't really get a lot of focus. It's a sort of a deck rockabilly, yeah. Like yeah, they're like the, a, they're gender bending, basically. Right. Okay, so like, yeah, yeah. So which would not be something you would ever see, like in Iran, like a film made in Iran. <laughs> yes, <laughs> would not allow that. It's been referred to as a fusion of Iranian and American cultural cinema. And if anything, for those of you coming into this episode, having not seen the film before, perhaps, and I'm hoping for it to be a gateway into an appreciation of the culture and a doorway into seeking out their cinematic landscape. Well said, Brandon. I love that. um, That's that's my thing. I absolutely agree. So to me, it was meant with the intention of being a film there. It's not some American experiment I I I I will count it for that, and I will promise to do a true 100% Iranian film in the future. But awesome. um, and I have Rex for those, obviously. Heck but yeah. I, I but I'm glad that this is it because I do think as as we'll get into it, I think what makes this film so special in a lot of ways is one, like you said, like it's an Iranian cast. It's in Farsi. It's meant to be like. In a, in bad city in Iran, like all of that, I think is important because very it's very rare to see something like that made here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and also become so popular. And also, like you said, I don't think obviously much of this film, if at all, could have been done in Iran. So in a lot of ways, it is what it is because it was made somewhere where all of those things were all of those allowances like right. could happen. So it's. It is, it is Iranian at the end of the day. It's just like where it was, like we've been talking about these other films, maybe where they're specifically made and produced, all of that stuff, important to a degree. But at the end of the day, like what is this introducing you to? It is introducing you to the Iranian language, Iranian people, Iranian culture. So mm-hmm. I think that, that fits the bill. And, <laughs> it, and the thing I like about the production a lot is it doesn't settle. 
because it's in America. There are a lot of American productions doing similar things or could try, which mm-hmm. like, oh, well, it's not Iranian, but yeah, close enough. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't settle for that. They, one hundred percent, in they're they're doing it. Um, and that's that's where I was like okay with with this, and I and I thought about like a lot, you know, a lot of my other favorite international films that shoot here and they are from their other countries because other countries can go on location. Granted, this is an American production shooting mm-hmm. here, but I, I feel the same intent. Um, I, I feel it's meant to be of that. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think it can, it can, it can count. Absolutely. Plus people should see this movie because it rocks. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, this is, this is the one that both of us have seen and I think seen multiple times before this. Absolutely. I've seen this film. I don't, you know, it's hard because I don't remember the first time I initially watched it. It's been a long time. I, um, because it came out in 2014. Um, I think, yeah, 2014. So I, I have in that time frame, I've seen it a lot. It's probably, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, it every single time anyone's like, I want a movie to watch. Give me a wreck. Mm-hmm. This is always my wreck always my wreck wait even way more than i know on a previous um recording you know we've talked about another film that i really love persepolis i love that film as well but i think i would wreck this one always the most just because it as we'll get into like there's so many elements that i enjoy first off i love vampires second off i love anything kind of like spooky and weird i love that it has like a lot of like feminist undertone i mean like what I say feminist undertones, but I think it is like in a lot of ways, a really good feminist film. I also just love the characters and I love a vampire who skateboards. Like what is not to love? Like it's, it's right. so many, there's so many interesting elements to this film. And so I, I always recommend it, but I've seen it probably too many times to count. And I didn't need to worry about where it was. Cause I, I remember I was trying to remember like, have I bought this? I have bought it on like a couple places. <laughs> so I, I had it. Like I have like physical copy. I have it like gotcha. on streaming. So I was like, okay, I'm set to rewatch this um, to my heart's content. But yeah. I, I first saw, like, so this came out in 2014. I believe like I wanted to see it in the theater. And when it was playing it here in Indianapolis, um, there was this, I think it was the summer my daughter was born. And when you have child and it's recent and stuff, you kind of just don't, I, I didn't want to leave my wife. To be like, oh, I'm just going to the movies, and plus you're tired. Like, I just want to leave my house, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't, and and like, I think I just, I, I didn't get in the window. It was showing at my art house theater, and I just, but I blind bought it when it came to to Blu-ray, and and I really took to it. I was like, okay, this, because I saw the trailer, I saw like screenshot. I'm like, this just looks incredible, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I really, really liked it. And I didn't know until I watched the bonus features that it was shot in America back then mm-hmm. and stuff. And I had forgotten that fact too uh, before this, but like the thing is like, uh, I saw things where people like, shot in Taft, California and looks like Taft, California. I'm like, if you've been to Taft, California, because I have, I would not. Wouldn't know where that is. I'm I sorry could, for people. From- <laughs> I could show this to a hundred people and I bet 98 of them don't realize it's, and that's being kind. Don't. Yeah don't uh think it's they think it's probably somewhere in iran like i mean having been there having visited there so many times and i just i know about i mean it's it's it could be like 
I also think, granted, a lot of the the scenes that are happening are very intimate scenes. Like, I mean, yeah, like it's not like there are a couple times where there's landscapes and background mm-hmm. stuff that we're seeing or like, you know, outside of buildings. But for the most part, yeah, like, I mean, it, technically it could be anywhere. It's bad city. Like bad <laughs> it could, city, yeah. it's bad city. Like it could be anywhere. So, but yeah, like I, before I knew that, I assumed it was in Iran and I'm running. So that's, that was me. <laughs> so yeah. sorry, to tap, sorry to tap. I'm sorry. It could, it could be anywhere. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I was, so I, I just took it as, and you'll be so swept up the magic of cinema that you will never question right. where it's been shot and taken place. It's that right. good. That's how talented uh, Anna Lily is. Um, and I, I will say one off note, with mm-hmm. my, I don't know how it is uh, where you own it, but my Blu-ray is one of those comical 80 production company logos and sounds before we even start the type of movie. Of course. Like, it's like, da-da-da, and they, these people- They all got to get in there. Yeah, they all have this logo that they're so proud of that animation. They put a score to it. And you're just like, is this? Oh, it's another one. And another one- and another one, like maybe like, that's the bad city. Just yeah. like that's that's like your limbo into bad city. Like I have to watch like fifty like of these. Right, right. Year. And uh, okay, so the uh, the movie like wrap the bat uh, choice to do black and white photography, and um, it's beautiful, and it also probably helps mask Taft, California, in a way. It probably oh. is. I don't know if it, I mean the comic. I've like my thing came with a comic book and it was in black and white. Uh, my Blu-ray did, uh, and um, I don't know if black and white is an attempt to help it feel more like it's Iran, or if it was just a stylistic choice to begin with. So I, right. but it works for it. I I think this movie is probably better and more memorable in black and white than had she shot it in color. I think so. I think there's like a lot of scenes that that plays well too. The biggest being like, there's a lot of really, I think both like gloomy and sad shots, like bodies, like there's like that scene where he's uh, driving in the car and there's like bodies Mm. like in a ditch. I just think the biggest things are like the girl herself, the girl, the girl who's played by Sheila Van. I think her like scenes of her on her skateboard and her striped shirt, and she's wearing what's called a chador. And when she's wearing the chador and like, just like it billowing in the wind and stuff, I just think that lends itself. Like it looks, it looks really beautiful in in black and mm-hmm. white. Um, so, and I mean like, yeah, maybe like other scenes could have been in color, but I, I also think it kind of helps it like with it's being like, it's described in Iranian vampire spaghetti Western. <laughs> like, right. Oh no. Like, I feel like it makes sense to do it in black and white for that kind of a vibe. So I, I like it. I like that choice. I mean, there's a lot of Leone in here visually, and I know that was her, her. It was like spaghetti right. Western and like Sin City graphic novels was like what. Sin City, yes, for. absolutely. And it it is that like it totally because as much as there is the Leone and Carbucci and all that stuff, yep. there is perfect blend with sin city in terms of how she's colorizing the black and white like how it looks and stuff like that and and there's a lot of moments in here too like uh like i said with the um steven soderbergh's um recent movie the don Cheadle and um the one that was on hbo max i'm losing i talked about it a few episodes back 
uh, on the Crow episode. But um, that one, I said there's a lot of moments that could be like a pulp novel cover. There's a lot of it, uh, moments in this that feel like a frame from a graphic novel done in black and white perfectly. Like yeah, Absolutely. Without, it's like effortless. Like it's not like trying. It was just so good at work. You could pause and be like, yeah, I, I'd buy a frame of that and that's cool so absolutely but yeah that yeah that's her good style and yeah the first vampire story with a western asia setting like that's i know exactly so i think it totally lends itself for black and white i like it (laughs) oh for sure for sure we have like in the first act of this film we have this drug lord and (laughs) he's Arash is our main character we follow mm-hmm. and he's got this junky father that owes this guy and he's like, you know, taken out on Arash because of this. Mm-hmm. This guy is only in like 20 minutes of this movie, but he looms large. Like, I don't Saeed. know. Yeah, Saeed. Yeah, he's he's a character, right? right? And all those tattoos make him pretty memorable too. Yes, like, the word sex on his neck. I'm like, what What did you, what, he's, what did you think? I mean, he's a pimp. But like by far the most pathetic pimp I've ever. Like he's a tr- really trying too hard pimp. Right. Like it's it's a lot. But I know what you mean. Like he is not in it that long, but his his presence is known all the way through until his um demise. demise yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I was just impressed with like this time around. I'm like yeah, this guy. Like I'm watching. I'm like I thought he bit it a little bit later than this, but I was like, man, he's not in this much. But I remember. <laughs> His, because he's just such an a hole, and just his look is pretty intense too. But yeah, he does he gets up. So Sheila Van, when um the introduction reveal of her as a mm-hmm. the, uh, as a vampire, like mm-hmm. it when she kills um the drug dealer, right. yeah, yes, so fluid. Her turn is so fluid. Like it's just almost just like yes, teeth come down. But her eyes, like she changes just with a look, mm-hmm. just and it's amazing. Like I was, I, that's I, why she's. So, I mean, that actress incredible, but also like to capture that the way it's captured in that oh scene. Oh my gosh, it's so yeah. good. That's like I like. I'm like okay. I'm falling in love with this vampire. Like even though she's like doing something like so. I mean, granted, I don't think he's doing something horrible by. <laughs> killing a horrible pimp right. <laughs> um, like who's been an ass to like multiple women so mm-hmm. fine but it's like i was like damn i'm into this like she's a badass and then that's like one of like i'm saying like the many like 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 feminist-ish things that are happening in this mm-hmm. because i just i just love that she's like no i'm gonna take him out <laughs> even though it's like god like it probably sucks as a vampire she's like oh, do i want to like suck this person's blood like he's a horrible person <laughs> but i it's like it's epic the way that like she takes him out absolutely yeah it's uh, i was just so impressed i, I was just watching i was like i was like man just i like rewound it i'm like it's really like just a quick second change yeah. in her eyes that I, I, I yeah i mean most people just see the teeth come down Mm-hmm. And but I was like, man, is uh, it's almost like a shark, like a not exactly the same, but like you know, like how when sharks bite, like their eyes like roll over. It's like mm-hmm. a very quick, like scary, but like also really cool moment. Yeah, <laughs> and she's she, she's great. Like she's she gets she gets pl- she gets work. She works, but I'm just mm-hmm. like I don't. She's not in like a lot of stuff that crosses my path a lot of the times. So I'm like, man, I want more of her. But mm-hmm. 
like I was excited. I got this movie for review with Justin Long, uh, Justin Long, Justin Long about mm-hmm. some drug movie or whatever about this weird trip that he goes on, and she was in that. I was like, oh my gosh, that's her! Holy it's God. the girl! <laughs> it's the girl! Oh, I got so excited. Um, but yeah, like, and she's just she's a unique as hell vampire. There's through history of cinema, there have been like a billion vampires and i argue she has to make your top 10 i, I don't yeah. care where you place her absolutely but there's none like her and she's threatening she's endearing and she's fun all at the same yep. time and it's absolutely and it doesn't feel off it doesn't feel forced and it just it's who she is like that's such a good way of putting it like because i feel like if i were to tell someone who had never seen this film. Like this is a black and white Iranian film. It's, it's like a Western it's set in bad city, by the way, there's a vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she like, you know, likes to jam the music in her apartment and skateboard. I have a question. <laughs> I have a question. Mm-hmm. And I've thought about it rough, roughly throughout this one. <laughs> Who is this woman? Like, is that her apartment? She mm-hmm. just shows up in this town. That's I don't know. Maybe she is took that the her place. Did she take it? Is she trying? Like I thought this time around. Like is she trying to insert herself mm. into a society and try to see it through their eyes and do it? And she found this apartment, and she gets into like music because there's a thing there and there's all the stuff on the wall. Right? So she thinks that's what a person does like there's a lot of attempts at her to try to find humanity kind of in yeah. this. she's tempted with humanity and this looks like a, her kind of exploration of it and right. while trying to use her vampiric ways to improve the city but yeah i don't know this time i was like this time i was like i just got this question like who is this woman like we know she's yeah. a vampire that's simple that's simple but there's yeah. more to her and i was like i've always thought oh that's her apartment but i'm like wait wait she's appeared in this town is this someone else's place? Did she kill somebody to have this place? And she's trying to assume this person's role. And right. it's, t- I don't know. I was my mind. No, I get it. I mean, like it right out the gate, it's like, obviously like some like basics. I feel like with her in terms of thinking about her character, it's like, that's an interesting way to put it. It's like, yeah. Like, has she always been in this town? Did she come into this? Town? And obviously like as a vampire, like if we're thinking of mythology of them, I mean, like, mm-hmm. She could be the way that she looks like she looks like in her 20s. But obviously that could have been however long ago, like who knows, like how old she's like. There's a lot of like questions that we don't know, which makes sense, too, because vampires are always mysterious. So like it would probably ruin everything if like we need mm-hmm. to like I don't need her Edward Cullen backstory. OK, like, well, no, she's 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 your Jimbo. She's uh, Clint Eastwood in uh, Fistful of Dollars. We mm-hmm. know them. We get details on them, but we don't know them. Right. The we know them because the movie is following them, but we yeah. don't get depth. They don't give right. us depth. We only can pay attention to their actions, their yeah. facials, and how they interact with people, and that's all we right. get. And that's all we need. That's I, that's all, all we, we need. need. I will say something though that I do think is interesting. If we're thinking about this in the perspective of she's, you know, a female was a person at some point before turning into a vampire and bad city is is in iran and this is like based off of like an iran that is modern and that 
it's, it's in our modern times where like, you know, women technically, you know, have to cover up like when they are outdoors, because mm-hmm. um, obviously like we have scenes, like there's a party scene with Arash and, um, a girl who's like a, like a princess, like, I don't know, type girl, like has a fancy house. And like, when they go into the party, you know, people are drinking, you know, there's drugs, like no one's wearing it, coverings, anything like that. So I think about it in this perspective of, it's really interesting because for women in that country to be a vigilante like this, to, as like the title suggests, like, you know, she's roaming the streets, you know, alone at night, like that's something that culturally you would not like do. So I think that there's something like really fascinating about her character in that sense. And I wonder if I were to think of her backstory, I almost wonder if it's like her being a vampire is like her being like rebellious and getting to do these things that maybe she would not have done as a regular woman, but as a vampire with, you know, the powers and the capabilities that she has, like and fangs, which are super cool, all of those things, like that gives her agency to be able to do these things and to go after bad men in bad city right. and take them out. So that's just something that I've thought about. Definitely didn't think about this the first time I watched it. The first time I was like, it's a, it's a vampire with skateboards. But like the more and more I've watched it, I think about that aspect of her of like, there is, you know, sure, maybe she could have been a vigilante as like a regular person, but it'd be, it's, it would be difficult. Well, and I think like she, she takes to Arash because when they meet, he's from he came from the party. He trips acid where he didn't want to, but yeah. he's also dressed like Dracula, Dracula, and yeah. with fake fangs. Yeah. And when she meets him out, she's out wandering. He's out wandering, mm-hmm. and sees like him mm-hmm. lost. She's kind of lost. They're both searching for something, and she sees him. She's like, oh, you're trying to imitate and be me, and I'm trying to imitate and be like you because she's right. searching for like what testing out being what humans are supposedly do. And he looks like he's imitating Dracula being out in the night, and that's maybe why she texts yeah. to him more. Like, I think she's so. like, I've got somebody here. We're both in this place. So I, you know, and it's just by chance that I don't right. know why you dress like Dracula to that party, but hey. I mean, right. I mean, Greg is a cool costume. So I get that. I think what's also interesting, though, maybe thinking again, just like if she's been around for a very long time, depending on whatever that is, you know, I can imagine she's also picked up very, very well on a lot of signs that make for a good person or a bad person. Right. So, So maybe like with Arash, like the reason she takes to him and is cool with him and doesn't like just outright go snack snack on his neck and call it a day. Mm-hmm. Is she's like, you know, this is one of the good humans. You know, yeah. this is a, this is a good person, or at least good for now. Like, like she she takes a liking to him, I think. So I think she's definitely developed a sense of who is bad and who is good, prop maybe because of her time roaming streets and mm-hmm. taking pimps out and that kind of a thing. Well, you know, too, like he he has a cast on his arm in the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie and and um when she meets him, which would mm-hmm. just showcase to her that he's vulnerable he can't be mm-hmm. hurt and then we also have the girl who has the rich girls that has the nose job and she's yes. she's kind of nicer to him and then that comes off and then she's somebody mm-hmm. else um, right after so I don't, I don't know if that signifies something between them or not but no that makes little, sense i think this movie's deep as fuck if you i think so but i, I think what you said 
Yeah, no, I think that makes total sense. Like if he's showing, if he literally physically is showing that he's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, like, like you said, like when, when she meets him, it's like, he is like tripped out. Like he does not know what is going on. Right. Super easy prey. Mm-hmm. But instead, like they, they connect, they have like a little da- a dance party of their own. That, scene, <laughs> that is an amazing scene, by the way. Um, she goes so people listening watch the movie it's you can find it in a lot of places <laughs> right. free to watch free to watch legally to watch um get a library card folks get canopy or hoopla so like she goes we had the scene before like same camera angle where she goes to play a record and just listens to a record but this mm-hmm. time he's there and he comes up behind her and it's like slow and i i i wrote i wrote down here cuz I, I like mm-hmm. wrote, but i said this film lets people act there's lots of long takes lots of non-dialogue emoting and speaking and there's a scene the scene where she brings a rash home and puts the record on is deliberately slow and more interesting than most movies that come out every year just this one scene there's a lot going on and you just kind of soak it in and you slowly you don't know how this is going to turn out how they react to each other it's slow and all she does in the scene is turn around he comes up behind her this is the music and turn around and that's all this scene is but it's lengthy it breathes it's real and it just you watch the actors and it just fucking works like i i it's interesting because i have read probably so many reviews about this film as well and it's interesting because yeah i think there are some people who get that and really enjoy mm-hmm. those moments and then there are critics who wish things would um, basically speed up. Keep cutting, like, keep cutting, like, keep cutting. Keep going, keep going. Where's the dialogue? The thing that I think, again, with this film, for one, like the story, and two, if we're really, again, thinking about her mm-hmm. character, I just keep thinking back to it. And this conversation is making me think maybe more than ever just about who she is and her personality. She doesn't talk. She's not extremely talkative. You know, like she has, she has like her moments, but she's not a very talkative person or vampire, I guess, you know, she's very calculated. Right. Whatever. And I I just think about it as like, you know, it kind of makes me think if she's been around for however long as a vampire, even if it was a short time, I just wonder if like for some, for a creature, you know, this otherworldly creature that like technically, I guess, lives forever, like unless like Mm. getting, uh, unless something happens. It maybe that like creates this kind of like there is no sense of urgency anymore because with mm-hmm. people you like you need to fill time and space with things to do and things to say but like for a vampire they're kind of just like I, I'm gonna be here and I so I think that's number one and then I think number two maybe just her personality also I mean you can have like introverted vampires they don't all have to be extroverted vicarious extremely charming. Like I'm just, they don't all have to be that. And I do appreciate that that's the kind of, the kind of vampire that, that the girl is, is that, yeah, she's, she's calculative. She's very like insightful. She's very perceptive. And in a lot of ways, she also makes me think of like the way a predator would stalk prey. They're just, mm-hmm. you know, checking things out, feeling things out. And she knows she's not going to be in trouble. She knows that she's like an extremely powerful being. So I feel like that also adds a layer because it's like she can take her time and do the things that she wants in the time that she wants. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's things she can't help. Like there's a part where she gets her ears pierced oh, and it she- forces her fangs out because then we I find out that like scene. there's, 
things that are just beyond her control that are reactions to yeah. it. Yeah, so she can still be jolted. Like there are little things like that that can happen for sure. I love that scene right away where she's just like, it's like a little quick. <laughs> keep doing it. Keep, keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she, the way you talk about, like one of her most talkative moments is where she's threatening a child that she takes the skateboard from, <laughs> which is in a way kind of humorous. Yeah. She does it. And uh, this poor little kid um, that she's like, you know, you know, right. You know. So yeah, like she's very, yeah, very, and a lot of those, like you're talking about people talking about like, this is, if she want like this is going for Leone. It's gonna have long takes. It's gonna appreciate its surrounding. It's gonna make the most of every frame. It's gonna make them count, and you right. can't see that. Even the people who would borrow things from Leone, like the, your Peck and Paws and stuff, while they made fast cuts and action scenes, they still knew how to like appreciate right. surroundings, breathing, acting, things right. like that. And that's the thing. Like a lot of yes. An actor's performance when they win Best Actor does somewhat go to an edit. It should go to an editor because they pick the best takes. They put yeah, the best take. They 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 help piece together. But you know, like there's too much piecing together. Almost you gotta like just let the camera roll, let them act. Right. And you can you can fulfill. You can engage people. You can fulfill everything if they're doing it because an actor is important. Like everything on a film is important, but. You know, there's always when I lived in Los Angeles working on films and stuff, the actors would always tell you they were the most important part of the film. The director would tell you he was the writer swore it was him. The guy behind the camera is like, aha, my eye makes it go good. Uh, You know, like everybody fights, but some can overcome lesser qualities of another. And, you know, you can let people act, let them try to take over the scene. Anna Lily's in no danger of that here. She's fantastic. But she also respects the actors and knows what she has. And it's like, watch these people. Yeah. And it works a lot. And shame on the people who went to fast cut, 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 cut. I'm like, I will say though, something that to add some context to, I think that's important is for a girl who walks home alone at night, that film, obviously like it's filmed, you know, here uh, in the, in the States, but it's like, it's an Iranian film. It's like supposed to be like an Iranian village and all of that. When it comes to Iranian horror films, there's not like a massive catalog of these. Like there, I mean, people people make them, but in terms of like ones that have done very well or are very well known, I'd say like the big ones that I think about, there's Babak uh, Anvari's Under the Shadow. That's about a mother and daughter experiencing strange things mm-hmm. that can be caused um, by jinn, um, jinn. Uh, for those who like aren't familiar with that, I mean, it's like a term from like Islam, but it's basically like you know, like the way that we consider like angels and demons and like spirits and things like that. Like that's Are you the about, like the D J I N N D J I N N the Wishmaster. <laughs> yeah, so it's like those kind of, like that thing. It's interesting because I I want to say like Dungeons and Dragons has like references jinn. I don't mm-hmm. think they do it correctly, but but that's that's the best thing I can align it to. Okay. So there's like there's like films like that. You have films like. A girl walks home alone at night, you know, that's like, you know, a vampire preying on shitty people and then forming this like relationship, this chemistry with like a, like a regular person, a recent film that I covered, um, that I would also highly recommend this, that, you know what, this also is kind of like a girl walks home alone. I mean, it's, it's in, it's predominantly in Farsi. It was shot here in the U S it's a predominantly Iranian cast and crew. Like pretty much everyone is, uh, all that. 
Every, yeah. So with uh, with Kuro Shahari's The Night, it's a film that's set in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's it's a uh, predominantly an Iranian cast and crew. Um, and that's like a film that, uh, you know, it's it's very obvious that it's it's in L.A. So like, it's very obvious that like it's, you know, they're here. But what I like about it is that it's um, it's in what I guess you would call like the the Iran away from Iran, which is Terangelis, like L.A. and stuff like we like it's it's where like all the expat <laughs> Iranians come to live is Los Angeles. And that film is almost like The Shining in that, you know, it's like a, a horror film happening in a hotel. It's a great mm. film. But and in, in the end of the day, like there's not like a massive amount of these films to either draw inspiration from, like like for Iranian filmmaking, like there's like a, there's a good amount. I feel like Iranian cinema, at least the way that I see it, like there's a lot of really great dramas. There's there is a lot of good comedy. But it's like horror. And I also just don't think like if we're talking about this, like in the scope of this whole project that we're doing, I don't think people like go horror film, Iran. Like, I don't think like that. Whereas like I, for example, have been like really into all of the great uh, Korean horror films that are coming out and have and have been out for a while. Like there are like other countries where I'm like, oh, like they do great horror cinema. Iran is not one that I would immediately even being around myself and watching his films it's not like that's what would come to mind but i think the reason that's why i love girl walks home alone at night is it's such a unique take on like what a quote like horror film could be even though it's not like horror it's like a western but like i think like when some people hear what it's about and they're like oh it's a vampire film i'm like no it's like not like entirely like scary and terrifying spooky but it's not like scary scary yeah right and thinking like what we're talking about with like with the acting in it, I just think there's so many scenes that lend like those long drawn out like and I don't even really I want I don't even want to say drawn out like those long scenes where people are just taking moments to interact with each other so we can see the chemistry like especially with Arash and the girl like the chemistry that we're seeing grow between them that I think is a beautiful way to kind of look at how Iranian quote hard can be done right because. Iranian cinema, I think because of the culture, because of what's happened in that country, people love maybe watching what they're kind of experiencing a lot in real life. So drama can be very popular in that country. So I'm wondering if there's somewhat an influence of that in this film, like these really like, I feel like emotionally intense scenes and takes that are happening where like, not like a lot of actions going down, but like, when like when you see the girl turn in moments, so you're like, is she gonna bite? Is she okay with this person? You know what I mean? Right. Like there are moments like that where you don't know what's happening next, and not a lot needs to happen also for you to really appreciate the scene. So that's just something I wanted to add because I I've been thinking about that as well with this film and other Iranian horror films that I watch. Is I have noticed that there's a lot of that, like in the night in Kordush uh, Kordush the night. There's a lot of scenes like that where it's just like. Like he's in a hotel and there's like, uh, and he, you know, there's a haunting that's happening or he's being haunted by spirits. And there is just a lot of scenes where he's just like staring down stairwells or like looking off at something in the distance, or there's like, it's with him and his wife. And like, maybe they're like sitting in silence in their hotel room. Like there's just a lot of moments where like, and maybe this is it too. Maybe it's meant to make people a little uncomfortable. Cause like when something is sitting for like a beat too long, you're like, something going to jump at me, (laughs) like what's going on. So I think like, that's something that I've, I've noticed across a lot of Iranian horror films that I think comes through in this film as well. 
It's a good point. That's really yeah. Good. I mean, I, I don't I don't watch enough of those, but I <laughs> hearing what you're saying. We and, can, and we movie, can. <laughs> we can. I, I definitely I definitely want to dig more into their definitely their film culture. Yeah. Um, for sure. Definitely all that. There's also um let me mention um Arash's father in this movie. He's a, yes. a heroin junkie. Um and he apparently like something happened to his his mom and his father's never really gotten over it and has you know mm. turned to he's got a really bad heroin right. habit. And I thought this movie conveyed really cool um his his father's junky need and desire for the heroin is far more terrifying in this film than the vampire's cool and collected desire for blood. Like they're parallels to each other. They even have a scene where um, his father's on one end of the street and the vampire, she's on the other mm-hmm. side and she mimics his movements and he it freaks him out. But that's like, they're the same. Like I desire, I need to inject, I need this. Fluid I literally have needs. this note. <laughs> I agree with you. I literally have this note at some point where I think I wrote like, this film has like a vampire, but there's also vampire, vamp, I don't know. I can't, how would I say this? Vampiric? Vampiric? Vampiric. Like yeah. ways, vampiric ways, um, uh, like characteristics that are happening. Like biggest one definitely being like the, the drug addiction of the father. Also maybe just like that that's an emotionally draining relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. Just there's yeah. things like that. Also the city itself seems to be like a draining, dark, depressing city. So there's a lot of like those elements of like what a vampire is. Those elements are coming through actually. I almost feel like in more so in some other characters than the actual vampire that we have. Yeah. The real monsters were the people. Yeah. Like that's, (laughs) that's, I mean, yeah. And it's a great reflection of like, there's this thing we're taught to Maybe this is a reflection on American culture towards the West Asian stuff. Like, right. here, here's a thing that you are taught is scary, looks scary. You said it's scary, but look at all this shit around. Who's the scariest here? Who's doing the most harm? Like, granted, she's killing right. people, but right. but who is when you're watching the film? She's only she's killing bad people for one that we see. She kind of limits it to it, but. Whose actions are scarier? Who's abusing people? Who's hurting people um, on a oh. deeper level than the vampire? The vampire. I mean, she's really just going right. No, she's just really going after, as far as I can tell, like bad people. So, like, whereas like Arash with his father, I mean, they're battling each other, and I mean, I I could understand in terms of like a storyline, like I mean, to have a father like that who. Yeah. And he blames oh, him for it all. He doesn't blame yeah. himself one bit. And yeah. also, there's a prostitute in the film who's a, a yes. returning point that the father has over and injects her against her own will with the heroin. Granted, yeah, she obviously. doesn't put up yeah. a huge fight, but she's a mm-hmm. she's a very professional woman and mm-hmm. a, and holds herself in a professional manner. So mm-hmm. it would be against her to like. It was more of like I don't want to do this, but he's paying, and this is where my night takes me. I guess. Yes. Um, but it just shows what more of a monster his father is. Um, with yes. Him. Actually, something that I think about is, so I think before that scene, there's um, a moment where, so the, the prostitute is Ati, and Ati like, worked for Saeed, 
And there's like some scenes where we're like, Saeed's like, like mm-hmm. trying to force her to like do stuff with him. It's like really upsetting. And so there's a moment where Ati is like walking the street herself alone at night. Right. And, and, and the, and the, and the, the girl is following her. And like, because the, at the start of this film, the girl was at Saeed's apartment, I guess like took some of his money. And then she re- she gives that money to Ati. Like mm-hmm. the, the payment that Saeed should have been giving Ati. Yep. And there was like a conversation and I, the best I remember it is that it's that Ati maybe because of, I mean, it's partially obviously because of her, her line of work and what she is doing, but maybe also just as a person and maybe having lived in bad city, maybe this is what happens to all people mm-hmm. who live in bad city. She like, doesn't know what it is to like desire anymore. Maybe even to feel a bit. And that's sad. Like she's drained of that. So then like, like you're saying, like later when she has that scene with um, Arash's father, you know, yeah, I mean, she doesn't want to do these drugs, but I also just wonder if as a sad element of her character, she's just almost like, what, okay, like what else do I have to live for right now? Like it's, she's a very drained shell of a person. And for a lot of characters in Bad City, like that's what I feel like they are. Like they're not this is not like a fun town. <laughs> this is not like lively, energetic people with fulfilling lives. Like everyone seems to be very <laughs> depressed. Not a lot of going on. The only person who maybe seems to be having a maybe good time. It's the princess Shada, like mm-hmm. the girl who has a party and Arash goes to like, that's the only person who I'm like, she's living it up. But even she, that, that girl seems like hollow or shallow. She's just like about having a good time. Shada, Shada, that girl, that princess, she's just about like having a good time, having parties, like she's sh- shallow and, and hollow. So I don't know. I think it's interesting. All of these characters that Ati, the prostitute, Shada, the dad, Saeed, the pen, like, I don't know. They're, they're, they've all been like drained of something. Like they're, they're, they're not like full people. They've given up. Lives. Yeah. They're, I mean, yeah, it, and it's in yeah. a, it's in a town where uh, there's like, a big production, like is it oil or something that is yeah, draining, like draining, pumps. it's draining the earth. Like that's, it's that's a good point. Yeah. That's very it's good. Yeah. Very intentionally set to that, that area. Like, and, and that's the lifeblood of the town and that's all they have. And once that like goes, like, what is this place? And it's already mm-hmm. seems to have maybe gone. It looks like right. the town's kind of barren. There's not overly popular. Grand. It's a very low budget film, which it's like just like was it even over a hundred thousand dollars to shoot this? I can't even. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't feel like it needed a large budget. I'm it not. It looks like millions, but it's, these I mean, are my favorite right. directors. They they just like the your now you got your James Wans and your Lee Wan Ls that take uh, t- ten bucks and make it look like ten million, which I I right. I those are my favorite directors. The old John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Type people where you're like, here's five bucks, and it looks. You can give a guy eighty right. million, it won't even look as good. Right. She, I always got that talent. Like, and right. keep throwing things her way, folks. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's like a lot of that is maybe low budget, but it fits into the theme of the film. The talent right. being drained of people, um, and yeah, that's it's super sad. And also something else I just thought about too, is when I'm trying to think of when it happens, because something that's like a minor detail is that, uh, Oh, oh, oh actually, no, it's not, not a minor detail. What am I talking about? So it's like when, um, after, after like, I guess the dad 
does the drugs with Ati. Mm-hmm. He, I guess there's a later point where he's like suffering from like withdrawal and he's like mm-hmm. having thoughts in his head. And he, he thinks that the cat, there's like a little cat that's like in this film, right? Yeah. <laughs> like a little adorable cat. And, and the dad thinks the cat is his dead wife. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's like, uh, like, that's like, I think like one of those moments where I thought that was interesting. Cause I was like, it could be like, that's just like what he's hallucinating or thinking. But then also I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if like, that's just like a very strong messaging of like, yeah, like the mom's spirit lives on in this cat. Like, I mean, this is a spooky enough film as it is. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes sense. And then I, th- I think I remember after that scene, it's like, Arsh like throws his dad out. Cause he's just like, you're done. Like I'm done dealing mm-hmm. with you and your addiction and, and all the issues that it's like causing like in our lives. Um, and that's, I think later on, like his father dies because he takes more drugs. Well, no, like he, she, the vampire, she does. Doesn't she take? Oh, that's care? right. Yes. Yeah. yeah the, yes, that's right. The girl. The girl. That's. I think that's one of the scenes that, like, I for a moment was like hoping, don't do that. <laughs> like, because I'm just like the next thing I'm thinking is like this guy Arnish is gonna find this out. Like, this is not mm-hmm. a good situation. But the other side of it is this. This is what she does. She. Uh, oh, it's because. Hossein goes to, um, that's the father's name. Hossein goes to Ati's apartment to try and like force her to do stuff like mm-hmm. to take care of her again. And the girls, the girl comes and, and, and saves that situation from happening and yeah, and takes out the dad. And, but that's like her MO. She takes out mm-hmm. bad men. Like that's like her thing. But um, I remember that scene just being like the first, even from the first time watching, I was like, this is gonna, <laughs> this is gonna cause some issues in the relationship. Right. <laughs> If he finds out somehow, some way. So yeah, very like intense. And when Arash finds the body, that's one of the most haunting things in the film. It's so real. It's so like the look on his his dad's face, just sitting there staring at him. Mm -hmm. And his reaction to it is just because it's a reaction of like, I'm not surprised, but we're here now. I thought it wouldn't be this soon, but we're here now. Like that is kind of what it's not super upset super disappointed it was something he expected but now it's here like the right. like yeah and but the way they filmed the dad's body the way the actor is posed and looking it's it's spooky it's real it no and it's, re- it feels like, really real like, i mean there's a lot of elements in this film i feel like that are like because it's like yes it's a film but i think honestly does a good job of i think like there's like a nice like balance between things feeling like so realistic that, that, that makes it terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like that, that makes it really scary. Like that's a very real scenario that obviously can happen to someone who has an addiction. So like that's depressing. And it's also just heartbreaking because again, you think of like this whole film, like we've seen these two fighting. It's a very, it's, it's not a, it's not, it's a very toxic relationship between a father and a son, what they're, what they're dealing with and what they're going through. So like yeah, so it's it's the relationship between Arash and his father. It's toxic. <laughs> it's not it's not yeah. a good relationship, but they're still father and son. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously still some emotions like seeing his father like that. And then I think like Arash's next move is to like go and find this girl that he's connected with. He wants to go and find her and like run away. And maybe he's just realizing this town is literally bad like this is i don't want to be here anymore 
And that's when that cat reappears. Cause I, I, I think there was a moment earlier in the film where like, she's given the cat mm-hmm. or, she get, or she, or she just, she gets, she gets the cat and for her to have the cat, he realizes like, okay, like this is, um, something's, <laughs> something is, something's amiss because this cat should not, this cat should not be here. And I, that these like are like in the final moments of this film. I mean, I don't know whose heart would not be racing because you're just like, okay, what's going to happen? <laughs> when right. find out? Like, is he going to find out? Okay, I think he's going to find out. What's going to happen if he finds out? Is she going to take him out too? Like, mm-hmm. can she? Would she? And I maybe mean, the in the end, I I have read so many like theories and thoughts on like the ending of this film because it kind of ends as mysteriously as it started. Like, we don't right. really know what they're going to do because he realizes what's going on and they're like in a car and like they're, they're trying to leave bad city and they, they go off together. It's just, it's, I remember thinking at the end, like I was almost like a little upset. I was like, really? Like that's where we're going to end it. But then at the same time, I'm like, I, I kind of get it because it's, it's, a it's, it's almost like that's like how like again like dark and mysterious and and moody this whole film is. I'm like I kind of I'm, I'm I'm okay with not having like a lot of resolution at the end. Um, but I don't know. Like I'm I'm curious what you thought because like for me I remember thinking that ending I was like, damn it. But also I love this right <laughs> at the same time. He needs. I mean, it's time to get out of town. Time to get out of bad city. Time to get out of town. Yeah. And he's going from being a caretaker of one troubled individual with an addiction to a vampire who has a bloodthirst. So he's, it's kind of like transference of what he is. And maybe he becomes with how subservient he is and stuff, but granted he's smitten with her, but he could become like a, a Renfield S character uh, for her. The, guy who's obsessed with serving dracula but never becomes the vampire um that sort of maybe the role he's destined to take with her for the time being but you know it's left to our imagination it's left to what you saw in the movie like and i love that i love i know people hate those endings but i'm like i like to think i the thing i love about films is mental exercises with me like i love to I love to have that. I love ambiguity. I love thinking of things. I right. love being, and, and there's a fear in filmmaking nowadays to not allow people to do that because people get upset when they have to yeah. think or challenge themselves or, you know, enjoy a film beyond the movie. Uh, and granted, I know there's some people that mean, movies don't mean as much. They're an escape. They just want to go chew popcorn, right. see some explosions and go home. Fine. People don't want to think. Like, they just Fine, but don't it. bash the movies that do these things and... and because there's obviously an audience for that. And something mm-hmm. actually I just thought about too is like what we were talking about before in terms of like some of these scenes that seem that could seem slow and like kind of either or delayed or like we're we're taking an extra little beat. I mean, when I think about the film overall, I mean it's got I don't know how to say it. like it's it's all that's also like a vampire quality, like this kind <laughs> of like kind of like moody slow hushed like predator kind of like vibe i feel that and also with this uh when it comes to sorry so when it comes when it comes to this film it's like it's it's slow it's moody got this hot it's hushed like vibe i feel like that's that is also like what a vampire is 
Mm-hmm. And the other thing too, like with the ending is this whole film in a lot of ways, it's a very like, like we see it as a Western, it's a vampire film, but it's, it's a very unlikely like romance like right. story that's happening. And there have been, so, I mean, like if anyone like has an issue with the ending, I mean, I feel like there've been so many romantic films that end in like kind of like uncertainty like you're not really sure like you got all your questions answered about what's going on in relationships and stuff like Mm -hmm. that like so when i think of it that way too like i think it's fine um do they people need a title card like and they got an apartment and lived they need the end credit scene where like all the slideshow pics are happening in the credits of them like the vampire moving in together (laughs) in good city (laughs) We got a pet bat together. Like, I, I, if someone wanted to spoof this, that that could right. be because I like it's True. a good city, but no, I think that's it's really beautiful. And actually, it's even though like this wasn't available at the time, it makes me think of a lot of the things that I enjoyed about the. And this is like a very random like line to, or I guess like a connection to make, but Wandavision. In the MCU, mm-hmm. I really loved that series for how it explored um, like love and the many forms of love and also grief mm-hmm. and trauma and that stuff. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why I really like this film because like there's, it's not a romance that like it's typical and there's a lot of people who need a lot of therapy because <laughs> a lot of shit right. has gone down so i don't know i kind of like it for that i like that this is i really like i'm personally and maybe this is time the dark goddess of the underworld i like <sighs> romantic films that are edgy yeah. and moody and maybe even sad like because that's not all relationships are perky and happy 24 Mm seven. So I kind of like that. That's what this is. And I like that that's in the film. I like that. It wasn't just like about a vampire being an anti-hero vigilante. I love that there's a romance that's happening and and it's complicated. So yeah, I I kind of like that part of it too. Hard agree. Hard agree. (laughs) Um, Before, uh, before we wrap up this conversation, which is great conversation, by the way, there's some things that I, there's one thing I wanted to point out that I, an sure. image that I don't think of like that this movie gives us that I don't think I've ever seen before a vampire soaking in a bath. It's not blood. It's a bath. Um, homegirl, homegirl needs self-care. Yeah. She's just laying in bed and I'm like, self-care that's, Sunday. Like, that's really cool. I'm like, I wonder if she thought like, I've never seen a vampire sitting in a bathtub. So let's, let's throw that right. In and uh, and it's just yeah, I get that. Ran, and I'm like, I was like, that's awesome because I was like, I can't think of any. I've seen them in pools of blood and all this stuff, but just taking a bath. I thought it was I mean, soaking I in water. Of, when you think about it, I mean, granted, I'm not an expert, so like, if the if the interwebs knows more than me, let me know. But like, I I couldn't name a ton of like other than like Castlevania, which like I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of. I can't think of like a lot of other shows or films like i'm not big into comics and i'm sure comics and gaming probably have more but like in terms of like really popular films and shows that are about vampires i don't know a lot that center on female vampires right so like that to me is where i'm like those kinds of scenes like her jamming to music having a little dance party by herself having like a little soak in the bathtub i'm like mm-hmm. that make that tracks like for someone who's got whoever and how like eternity to live and is like Right. Have you, have you ever seen uh, Dracula's Daughter? 
No. It's the sequel to the original Bella Lugosi uh, Universal okay. one. It's, uh, but it's a very underseen, very underappreciated sequel because it's not like just not Dracula again. Um, right. And it's one of the first like, like queer horror films too. It's really, okay. really, really cool. I have never seen it, but that sounds really interesting. Yeah. It's only like an hour long. All those old Universal okay. monster movies are like barely clocking over an hour um but this is the sequel to it and it's an interesting direction and um it's really interesting one of the first strong female vampire characters put to film and they i mean the universe stuff they were subtly getting away with a lot of explorations with like james whale uh and bride of frankenstein doing some crazy stuff too but like yeah dracula's daughter's pretty cool underseen underappreciated uh little movie i never watched until they put out like the dvd sets okay uh, back in the day i was like what's this and i watched it and i i didn't the first time i saw it I, did, I think it was too young i didn't appreciate it but going back to it older now with uh re-release on blu-ray I'm like a really like that's a go-to one for me like really like it's moody um more interesting character and a lot less of the same same monster stuff that you get with a lot of them later okay. down the road so i will definitely check that out because i think like I said, I don't, I don't like, I wouldn't know that many female vampire characters off the top of my head that like have like a really, that aren't actually, like underworld. Uh, well, actually, you know what? I think the only other one that I'm thinking about that I, I mean, not that like she has a massive role in this film, but like Dust Till Dawn and Salma Hayek. Oh, yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I, amazing vampire, very attractive mm. vampire. Well, like, I'm just saying like that also, like she didn't have, I mean, she has an amazing scene <laughs> like when she comes out and dances, oh, yeah. but like best scene ever. Like, I think that's when I realized I was also attracted to women at the same. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that tracks, but it's one of those things where like, yeah, like I don't, you don't get a lot of those like prominent female vampire characters, like in like, that I have found to be extremely popular and well-known. Like this is the, like, if I ever talk about, I'm ever having, you know, a vampire group chat, which is super common. And like, we're talking about vampires that we love, like girl walks home alone at night. Everyone loves this character, this vampire, but it's, it's just awesome because like, I mean, she's, she's a female vampire and Mm -hmm. we don't get a lot of those in like pop culture that are extremely memorable. Like, again, like the only other ones I can think of are the characters that I love from like the Castlevania game. And then the, the anime that came out recently on Netflix. So, but yeah, I mean, if she needs a bubble bath, back on that like get your bubble bath because you've been doing a lot of work in bad city <laughs> so right. um and one last thing i'm wondering if Annalie Amrapour is projecting some of herself through the vampire because mm-hmm. it's one thing to just be like there's a character there but the fact sheila van and i don't know if you've seen what Annalie Amrapour looks like they look Pretty I I, could, our, I know exactly what you mean because I think when I've looked this film up before, I almost like was like, wait, who? <laughs> and, and our, our did she did the long shot skateboarding stuff because she's a skateboarder, so she mm-hmm. felt, she body doubled for yeah she, she the van, but like look at them like it's one thing to have like a character in a film, but then to cast someone that looks just like you to yeah. do it, like there's some of you in that vampire that yeah you're telling I mean us. I, I would have I don't I could totally see that, and I mean who wouldn't yeah. <laughs> want to right. have that 100 percent, mm-hmm. but i i mean i think that could totally make sense for sure yeah, definitely and also if you have the kino lorber blu-ray on it or pick it up it's mm-hmm. got a great q a with uh her and uh the guy doing the q a is roger corman and her mm-hmm. doing it together and he's 
loves this film. Like, of course, you gotta oh. love it. But he loves the film, and he compares. He's like, man, you're. He's like, your work's reminding me of when Francis Ford Coppola was like my assistant, and he made these stupid little films. But he's like, he's like, this is like talent on a level that I, I hope great things come just like right. Francis because I see that kind of level of, of skill and craft right there with with yeah. you on this one. He's like. He he has to hold himself back from geeking out about the movie, which is funny to see this old man asking her about it and right. talking about it. And, uh, but that's a great feature at two. Check yeah. out on there. So absolutely, yeah. go watch them a lot. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it a lot and recommend it to all your friends. <laughs> else we're just talking about a little extra stuff that we do you know movies music tv books games whatever you've been into lately so sharare since last time what else has happened what else has happened i decided to entertain myself recently by watching the uh recent suicide squad movie you ever heard of it <laughs> kind of watched I, that um, myself i um it was an experience <laughs> like it was I re- I actually did, I didn't know if I was gonna like it because mm-hmm. I wasn't the biggest fan of the first. Like it's I mean, a, like I, the first one's garbage. It's okay to say it. I, okay, I was like, mm, am I gonna get trolled? No, like, I, I, one, I, it's barely a movie. So, anyways, yes, continue. No, no, though I think I really do like the second one. I will say it's it's outrageous. It is very weird. I uh, have a lot of questions about like a lot of like. There's just some really intense, like gory scenes where I was like, I felt like um, there's a, uh, what is that film? Uh, not film. I am like messing up because I am tired. There's um, the the boys, like that show. Yep. Amazon. It, it made me think of it, honestly, yeah. a bit like some of the style and stuff, like the way like superheroes and violence, it's fun. But yeah, I don't know. I will say like, I think I would recommend it <laughs> to watch. It's I mean, awesome. It's, I, 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 had a, I had a great time with it. It's, it's very James Gunn, like the violence and gore stuff. Like if you've seen his other stuff. Yeah. That's right. And he came from trauma too. So there's a lot of that kind of feel to, he made, he basically, he kind of, a lot of people point out like he made a fucking hundred million dollar trauma movie with this. I'm like, kind of, kind of there, there's yeah. elements there. And, and Lloyd Kaufman appears uh, when they go into that bar I think Peacemaker shoves him over, uh, the the head guy of Troma, which is yeah. he put in Guardians too. It's it's a lot like it's a lot of fun. And I, I tell you what, these I have I think we live in the best of both worlds having DC and Marvel movies. Um, this isn't me knocking one, but like the thing I love about the DC movies is they aren't afraid to go crazy. They aren't afraid to really let a director make a movie. And mm-hmm. I think we're all better for it. And I'm I love the bonkersness of like getting us the suicide squad. I love Birds of Prey. I thought that was just love wacky. Birds awesome. Of prey. I love Shazam. It's wholeheartedness got this yeah. kind of like 80s, really nails the 80s Amblin type feel and has a good yeah. message. Then you got you get whack like you get that you fucking like Joker like going for the Scorsese weird thing with grand right. filming. You get like traditional like Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman A4, but you know uh, what? That's and, a good point because I I wonder if it's like with DC, it's like fuck it, no. let's just fucking yeah, like I mean they're in fucking mode, and I wonder if it's like Marvel is the like 
older sibling and mm-hmm. is like, I've got to like, you know, keep my appearances, like got a reputation and like Marvel films are amazing. I mm-hmm. love, like, I am more of a Marvel fan, like in that mm-hmm. sense, like I, I am obsessed with all of the films, the comics, the games, I, all of it. I'm into all of it. Um, cause I'm team Loki. So like, I, of course I would be like obsessed with like something, yeah. someone who like loves chaos, but like at the same time, I get what you're saying about DC and like that, I think as much as like, I probably lean more towards like Marvel for a lot of stuff at the end of the day, it's like, I need them both. Yeah. And it's, and I think it's like, they balance each other out. Right. So I really enjoy it. And like DC's kind of like the troublesome, like younger sibling that's like, fuck it. <laughs> like oh, I'm going to yeah. be crazy. And I'm going to go crazy. I, I didn't like, I wasn't even the world's greatest uh, fan of Aquaman, but like I appreciate I, I, and, and, oh. and I admire the hell out of that movie. Like, and a friend of mine said recently, he's like, you know, they just go so big in Aquaman that that finale makes Avengers Endgame look like a small indie film. Like, just the grandiose, like, ah. just going nuts for it. And I, I think that's great. Like, and I like the playfulness and the weird, like, the action scenes of the DC movies are on a different level because, like, Marvel with the action, there's a lot of same same because they use the same second unit to direct a lot of those movies. Whereas DC's just like you pick your people, you can direct them, all that. That's why Deacons won't do a Marvel movie. You know, he's been offered twice and turned him down because he's like, if I'm not doing the whole thing, I'm not doing it. So yeah, just the the, the sheer nuttiness, craziness. Where else are you gonna get a murderous? starfish alien <laughs> awesome right like yeah i just i just i so like for me with dc i'm also like not as familiar with like because i'm not as familiar with a lot of it like i i'm not familiar as much with the comics i'm gonna highly wreck um on i'm gonna do like a side promo which is like on hollywood reporters site we had some really great uh insight into like starro mm-hmm. like his like backstory it's it's wild and i just i feel like that like I obviously for me I wasn't expecting that because I wasn't familiar mm-hmm. at all I didn't know what was about to happen when I saw that shit come out the building and like all the little mini starfish like flying out of its like mm-hmm. starfish armpits <laughs> I was just like I don't know how to not love this because this is I just love weird so I'm here for the weirdness and I also love I mean, of all the characters, like, I love me some Harley Quinn. I love mm-hmm. Margot Robbie. She's incredible. Like, her, like, fight scene that she has when she's escaping, yeah. I was, like, fantastic. Right, yeah. Fantastic. I, all of it. Also, like, Polka Dot Man, Weasel. Like, there's so many things they, happening. They let Joel Kinnaman have freaking fun. Like, he yeah. looks like he's having a good time. And I, I like him as an actor. And, like, he just... He, doesn't get used right all the time. Uh, poor dude had to be RoboCop. Uh, but like he usually comes off boring in movies when I'm like, man, he was on that show, The Killing, and he did really good. And uh, he's in, so if you see some of his hometown films, because right. he's, he's from, is it Sweden? Is that where he's from? I can't remember. He's got charisma out the ass in those. And then right. here in America, it's like, Hi, I'm Joel Kinnaman, and I'm action guy in a movie. Like, but, but he, he's fun here. Um, yeah, like, no, you're totally right. Like, it's Mario Robbie's character is just fun. And if you ever, so this one's close to um, on the CW, you know, they have their own DC line yeah. of shows. There's Legends of Tomorrow, which yep. is my favorite of the bunch, and it is fucking bonkers like this. Yeah. They, they actually, Legends is 
They did this kaiju shit with the Starro thing before already, but with the giant furry thing um, before. But yeah, that one's kind of... I just think like that's why it's just such a fun... I mean, like, I again, obviously everyone's got their personal taste. Maybe some people don't want stuff to go that over the top. I don't like jokes in my superhero movies. I know. I just want heroes and killing bad guys. It's totally obvious, too, in that movie... That they waited till the last second for Will Smith to tell them no. <laughs> like, I mean, they just scratched a name out of the script yeah. and changed it. Like, it, it's pretty funny, but it works. Idris Elba's great. So, I think, I think, honestly, though, I'm into it. Like mm-hmm. his his facial expression, his final facial expression when he's on the plane and the rat, that little rat, is sitting on his lap, and yep. he's just like, <laughs> right. I think it works. It I, was works. Kind of, I was I was here for it. I love it. So I don't know. I I would, you know what? I would recommend it if you're in for like a bonkers night. Maybe take an edible and watch it. I don't know. It's hilarious. It's, it's a it's a wild ride. Um, but that is my my what else? Am I what the hell? There you go. <laughs> yeah. What a ride! It was amazing. <laughs> gotcha. Um, my what else is the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. I just read, I flew through it, and it is awesome. Um, wow. Uh, like, if Quentin Tarantino, after he retires, just writes novelizations for his books like this, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm fine. Um, this gives a whole, it's the most interesting way to adapt the film. Um, okay. It gives you, because he, for people who have maybe never seen the film, it's an intriguing, intriguing book. Um, for yeah. people who, for, for people who have seen the film, yeah, it adds ch- like changes ideas, and it's got a different agenda. There's similar okay. levels agendas of what the movie wants to do and what okay. the book wants to do. I enjoyed and, the, the film. If we're talking about other another bonkers film, yeah, another like absolute uh, what the hell every scene. <laughs> I'm like obsessed with that movie. Like that movie. That's one of those movies you watch and it has not left my mind. Um, no. Once upon a time, and this book. Is even better. Like I highly recommend. Like it's, it's got uh people like it's written as if it was written back then with the mentality. So there's some harsh language. There's some slang terms that don't fly anymore. But they're not meant with any kind of like. They're meant to be those characters, not like the ill intent of a writer, um, which is hard for people to take sometimes. But um, sometimes there would be a scene from the movie but from the perspective of the person we didn't see it in the movie. So it would okay. be written from that. Like, Oh, that's interesting. The, okay. part, the part where he goes to the, the Manson camp at the Spawn Ranch uh, yeah. Is, yeah, told, yeah, I remember is told from the perspective of the girl in the house, not for Brad Pitt. Interesting. Okay, so, I could see. I feel like then, like, yeah, if you were, like, really into that film, that kind of element would mm-hmm. be interesting for sure to kind of get, like, those extra perspectives. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. And yeah, and uh, scenes happen in different ways. They have, yeah, like it's it's really cool. You get more background on why things are the way they are um, and just extra bits that feel like they were like cut out or something. And it ends, I, I guess the ending of the book was shot for, was shot, um, but didn't get used in the movie. So okay. that, that did happen. Um, but yeah, the book ends differently. Um, 
the and uh and that the ending of the movie happens in a different spot in the book than it did in the movie. Oh, okay. It really took. Right. Me, I was like, oh, of, of of a film's ending, don't know if there's been one in a minute that had me just scream. <laughs> that just had me go, what the hell? Was- that 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 film's ending was um was a trip. It was a trip. <laughs> It was a well, ride. Was literally a for some of the characters. Um, it was a trip. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, yeah, big fan of the movie. The book, I just, I did. It's been a long time since I was reading a book and I was like, oh, damn it. It's getting to the end. Normally I get excited. I'm like, right. I'm going to conquer this thing. I'm like, <laughs> add more pages, add more pages. Like it was really, it's a really good read. Um, I'm stunned. Like, like Tarantino just, fuck that guy in his writing, man. Like I, I want skills. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's just re- and it really conveys his voice and how he writes, but also doesn't feel like I'm reading a script. Um, right. It's really I mean, good. I think it's interesting because I mean, I if I'm gonna be honest, it's that film was a hard one for me to watch because like I am not <laughs> at all a fan of Quentin Tarantino as a human being. Okay. Like I think he's, but it's like his. I think if I think about the film and like. Brad Pitt and Leo and what they did in that mm-hmm. film and the story. It's like, I enjoyed the story, but it's like, I think it's like Tarantino. It's like, he's a, he's a hard sell. Um, I think for a lot of the things that he's said and done, especially for like, I think a lot of his like racism and sexism, like it's a really difficult person to like discuss, but it's like, I can't deny that that's a film that tripped me up. And like, I haven't like stopped thinking about it either. Cause it's like it, the ending alone, I was like, okay, like, what just happened? I didn't expect that at all to go down the way it did. But I know that that's like a lot. I mean, like, if I mean, like, if we're talking about like, directors, I mean, that's the same thing you could say for like, James Gunn, like, he has a lot of controversy behind him. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I think that's always been an interesting conversation in entertainment. It's like, how do you because I mean, there's obviously a bunch of people involved in a production, and a film, Mm -hmm. and writing, like, not just like the directors themselves. And like, I think the, difference, the difference between like a gun and a Tarantino is guns plugged in uh, society wise. Tarantino is unplugged. Like he's not, you have to pull Quentin aside and be like, Quentin. And he might push back a bit and then he'll realize and then go, but then something else that he doesn't realize. Like I just he think he's a, he's a mess, Like, but his films, like I can't deny that like, I mean, have I watched a lot of his films? Like, absolutely. Like, I've Mm -hmm. watched a lot of his films. But I also think, I just, like, I gotta, like, say, like, it's, like, one of those conversations where it's, like, his films are things I can talk about. I do enjoy elements of them. They're things that I enjoy watching. Mm -hmm. Him as a person. I mean, I have this with a lot of things, like, in entertainment. There's a lot of, like, Mm -hmm. films and shows and books and, like, things that in music even that like i'll listen to and it's like i'm entertained i'm I, I can't talk <laughs> i'm entertained i'm entertained i'm entertained yeah. by them but i also like acknowledge that ah uh, <laughs> people right. people behind these things um have done some dumb shit so right. like it's like tarantino not a fave but once upon a time that story and what it did and like i'm just a big brad and leo fan so like <laughs> seeing them come together i was like I like this. Like, yeah. I, like that was like that's that's what you needed to tell me is like Brad and Leah are together in this film and gotcha. it, it's gonna be absolutely wacky. And to see them do what they did in the in the finale of that film, 
Never thought I'd see something like that right. ever right. from either of them. Like absolutely never thought it would ever happen. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting film. I'll say that for sure. I think the one of the things with the book that you could garner an appreciation for, which Mm -hmm. I I was thinking about as I read the book, was everybody talks about Brad Pitt in that movie. Uh, Well, he won the Oscar. Um, Cliff Booth's a fun character. He's he's great. He's great. Um, And, you know, people, Margot Robbie's part of it. But reading the book, and getting the more uh, the Rick Dalton character, getting the inside the mind. This is my fave in the film. Like I love Rick Dalton. The, most. the brilliant thing is, it's all there with Leo in that movie without the book telling me that. That's how okay great Leo's performance is. It, it enhance the book will enhance Leo's performance that he already gave. I'm not saying it's helping him. I'm saying you're like, damn, he had that. Like that is like there like with his performance without these words like i was uh i don't know if you would know because i'm curious then was because i'm not familiar is this something that came out afterwards or would either of them like had any of this like backstory or insight from Tyrion? like this was developed mm, no this afterwards? is this was, the book was written after yeah okay so been, not, no, no one on set like the in terms of like character development that is not stuff that they would have like Possible. Maybe maybe one of them came up with it and gave it to Tarantino. I don't okay. know, but Tarantino's been lollygagging around because he's got his thing where he's going to make 10 movies and retire, and now we're on number 10, and he's <laughs> taking his time, which more, right. you know, it's which it kind of sucks that like he made such a great film that would have been like felt like the the last one to go out on if you're gonna do that to yourself. Mm-hmm. And now he's got one more. It's like he can't stop himself this would, this would have been well his plan it just happened that film number nine he wants to make 10 and be done film number nine happened to be this like movie and it's like you know that would have and it felt like you know this hollywood end story you know yeah. but i don't know where he goes next i'm right. i'm always interested um but that yeah that book will appreciate the leo performance is one thing that i garnered from the book right. a lot um but yeah it's 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 real cool, and if you like old Hollywood stories and stuff, which for is sure. what he did in research for the book and the movie, he right. had conversations with like Burt Reynolds and like all these people from Clint Eastwood and all these people back in the day, uh, and how things happen and, and things like that. And it's a very interesting book. Yeah, very for sure. Book. So, yep, that'll do it. Um, sorry, this concludes our first session of the World Film Project. <laughs> I'd say. Uh, and thanks to you, those of you who came in for this one and found these movies and watched along. I love you all the best. I love you all the same, though. Um, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, please, your suggestions, recommendations for the next one or just in general. We just I welcome them. Um, and I want to humbly kneel and thank Sharare. Aww. Hopping on three episodes in a row for this adventure. Um You've classed the place up, and uh, I try, I try. The underworld brings what it can to the game. Yeah. So yes, and you made this <laughs> this little series a giant win in my eyes. So thank you. Oh, as you're always. welcome. Um, <laughs> once again, let people know where they can keep up with you. You can come come and find me in the Twitterverse at Sharari Drury. All right. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD. Written work at There's more for the Brandon Peter Show this week. But until then, always remember to keep positivity in your online film chatter. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peter Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. 
produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.